Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Well, welcome back. It is I, Chris Field, with my my good little girlfriend here, Billy Hallowell. We are the Church Boys. But Billy, say hello to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> Welcome to episode number. Can you believe it? It's number four. Is this four? Holy or is it cr- three? I Wait. think it's four. No, it's four. You're right. No, it's, it's four. four. It is Look four. Look at us. We are professional. We never thought we'd make it past one, and here oh, we are at four. Oh, goodness sakes. The fact that our microphones didn't just spontaneously combust after the first <laughs> two episodes. So... Uh, episode four. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us at thechurchboys.com or uh, at theblaze.com slash blog. You can find us. You can find Billy's write-ups of our stories there. You can also find us at facebook.com slash thechurchboys and twitter.com slash thechurchboys. Uh, you want to contact us? There's contact information there on the Church Boys website. There's also contact information via Twitter and Facebook. Uh, reach out, talk to us, let us know what's going on in your life. Ask if you have any questions. And Billy, we had a question this week through the website. Can you tell us what that question was and the answer? And I can. The question was about when we're going to be on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud right now. And the answer to that is there's a specific number of episodes you have to have before you can be on iTunes. So we're not too far off from that, but it'll likely be a couple of months before we're on there. But we will be on iTunes and you'll be able to download us over there too. So we are making progress. The more, the harder you listen, the better we do. So listen harder, people. Uh, share this thing with your friends, your family. If you dislike the show, share it with your enemies. Force them to listen. Do whatever it takes to uh, to get us on the air. All right. Uh, we appreciate your time, Billy. Let's um, instead of just being silly and spending time laughing and having fun, let's get su- super serious right now. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the one of the stories. You've written a bunch of stories this last week on the faith issue and culture issues. Um, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with, with the lead story on your agenda? Sure. So, I mean, I think we're all pretty familiar by now with the bakers, the photographers, the the people who host weddings on their property, all of these people who have said, you know, hey, we're Christians. We really don't want to host a same-sex wedding. Um, you know, we love you. We love you as people, but we're not going to provide this service for you. And when that happens these individuals usually end up being sued or having some sort of complaint filed with the civil rights division in whatever state they're, um, you know, running their business in. And And in this, and let me, let me, let me say real quick, if this is sounding familiar to you, we're not rehashing an old story. We are talking about something that, uh, that is happening recently and it's an update on an old story. Plus if you were listening to the show a couple weeks ago, uh, if you were listening to the show a couple weeks ago, you'd know that, We covered a story about a baker in Colorado as well that was dealing with a similar issue, but in the reverse. So uh, about, quote, alleged discrimination. So go ahead and and cover what you need to cover. Sorry. Sure. So no, no. So in this case, you have Aaron and Melissa Klein, and we've been covering them over the past uh, couple of years. But back in 2013, they turned a lesbian couple away. They owned a bakery. They said, hey, you know what? We're not going to be able to provide the cake for you. We're Christians, and we really don't want to be involved in the wedding process. So fast forward now, we have had a couple of appeals, I believe, and they've gone back and forth. But 
a judge, um, or rather the Civil Rights Commission in Oregon where they live, the Bureau of Labor, um, will be making a determination in March. They found the couple guilty of discrimination, and they could be fined. And this is just crazy to me. This is one cake, by the way, one cake, one refusal. It's a $75,000 in damages for each individual. So this was a couple that they turned away. So that's 150,000 potential in damages that that could be, you know, inflicted on this couple. And by the way, I have to mention Aaron and Melissa Klein, they owned this bakery called Sweet Cakes by Melissa. They actually lost business during this chaos um, when this first started, and, and they had people coming after them. They lost their they lost their shop, so they're working sort of out of their home at this point. They've lost their shop, and now it's potential that they could be hit with one hundred and fifty thousand in damages. What, and it doesn't make any sense to me because there's a whole. Well, it makes sense to me if you understand our culture and where we're where we're headed right now. But there's a whole slew of things going on in our country that are just absolutely screwy, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you talk to this couple and you, and I talk with Melissa quite a bit about this, the fascinating thing is, is they'll say, you know what, we believe that God will provide. I mean, their faith is very strong in this. And I think, you know, the more we have these debates and discussions, I just can't imagine how one refusal could amount in $150,000 in damages. It just, it seems so crazy to me. Well, and it's, and it's nuts. And here's, okay. So here's part of what I don't understand. Okay. Well, two things. You and I were discussing this earlier, and you had some some replies to this. But I, here's what I don't here's what I don't get. Why couldn't they just say, "We don't sell that particular product. It has nothing to do." I mean, take the faith thing out of it. Listen, I think they should be totally justified in making their faith claim. Right? If a church can make the faith claim that we don't marry gay people, shouldn't a business be able to make a faith claim that they don't marry gay that they don't provide wedding takes to gay people? Okay. I believe that they should be able to make that argument and be allowed to make that argument. However, take the faith thing aside, right? Push that aside and say, we don't sell that product. We sell these styles of cakes. If you like this cake, you may buy it and use it for whatever purpose you want, right? If I want to have um, uh, my son uh, built the best Hot Wheels track ever uh, party and I want to have a Hot Wheels cake and they don't sell Hot Wheels cakes, but they sell, but I want it to look like a birthday cake or a wedding cake. I could go buy a wedding cake and use that wedding cake for that purpose, right? They should be able to say, we don't sell that particular. Now I, I get it. The Hot Wheels is not, is not a personal, um, it's, it's very different from homosexuality. I get that. Okay. But let's say Bruce Jenner. Okay. The Bruce Jenner has been in the news a bunch, right? And Bruce Jenner is, you know, going apparently, allegedly through a sex change operation. If one of his friends wanted to come in and say, we want to buy a congratulations on your sex change cake, they could turn around and say, we don't make congratulations on your sex change cakes. Right? Well, yeah. Can yeah, they just I say, think... we, don't, we simply don't sell that product. You can ask for it all you want. It has nothing. They could claim, and they might be lying, they could claim it has nothing to do with our faith. We simply don't sell that product. It's not something we have in stock nor something that we make. And they could argue that the pro the problem, and this is what I said to you before we got on air too, the problem with that with that is that you could then say, um, you know, I don't sell cakes to people who have pimples on their left cheek, and I don't sell cakes to, you know, I don't sell cakes for people who are black for their birthday. You know, you can it, it gets... I think it gets a little bit tricky, but what but they, I would but they would say, be but they would be but they would be doing it not in response to who the people are, but simply for the product they requested, right? True, but I mean, like you know, we don't how make, hard is like, it to, but they also don't make. I would guess, um, phallic shaped cakes. 
or or cakes that resemble you've seen them at 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 parties and joke parties and things of of a cake that's built like a, a the female anatomy. You've seen, I mean those exist and they would they don't make those either. They could just say we simply don't make that product. Well, and they may not want to make divorce cakes, celebrations for divorce, right? If this right. is a Christian baker, it, it does get it does get very tricky. But where I do stand on this is when you're talking about a gay marriage, right? And you have people who really have strong convictions against that. To me, an exemption for services related to the specifics of, you know, homosexuality and and whatever that exemption, considering the history of you know biblical understanding and the way that churches have always functioned that sort of exemption to me does make sense we don't have to, people don't have to agree with it they don't have to like it but it does make sense based on people's conscience on this issue when you talk about the other examples that people will bring up um, race and discriminating on those on those on those standings there really is no um, legitimate religious argument to make for any other form of decline based on race or anything else. You can't find anything in the Bible that would back that up. Therefore, it right. isn't a sincere religious belief, if that makes sense. Whereas the opposition to gay marriage for some people is a sincere religious belief, if that makes and, sense. And it makes total sense. And I and I, I totally agree with you. And and here's here's another question I have, and it relates directly from the story. And maybe you can answer this because I certainly can't. The government has said, and this is according to the Oregon uh, Bureau of Labor and Industries, this is the statement they put out. Under Oregon law, Oregonians may not be denied service based on sexual orientation or gender identity. The law provides an exemption for religious organizations and schools, but does not allow private businesses to discriminate based on sexual orientation, just as they legally cannot deny service based on race, sex, age, disability, or religion. I got to ask, what's the difference between a bakery and a church? If the head of the church and the people running the church and who, quote, own the church and the people who are the head of the bakery or run the bakery or, quote, own the bakery or not, quote, actually own the bakery, have the same religious views, why can't, if, if I'm a pastor and I feel the way that the Kleins do about homosexuality, right? As a pastor at this church, if I've started up my own church, I can talk about we don't have gay weddings here, we including which would mean we don't have gay wedding cakes here, right? If the church makes wedding cakes for weddings that happen at their church, that church doesn't provide gay wedding cakes. So if I as a pastor at a church, if I'm a heading at church, I don't do gay weddings, we preach against homosexuality, we say that gay marriage isn't a real thing because marriage can only be between one man and one woman, one at a time, who's not closely related, that which applies to everybody, by the way, and we don't do gay wedding cakes at our church. But then I also, in my part-time, because I can't afford to, to not have two jobs, so I'm a pastor here, but during the week, I also own a bakery. Now, if I own that bakery and believe what the clients do, I, can in, 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 I have two jobs, both of them essentially full-time. In one job, I'm allowed to have that position and that belief, and in another, I'm not. What's the difference? Well, the difference, and this is where I think it, this is sort of an, it becomes very absurd. The difference is in the registration, as far as I know, of how you've registered your business or organization, a church or a nonprofit, whether it's Crew, which used to be Campus Crusade for Christ, or any other group, they have legal standing. They have an exemption because they're 501c3 nonprofit right. organizations. Okay. Um, but these businesses are not. So why not create? To me, the solution is 
you create a business version of that where you are registered as a listen and a lot of people will say this is just bigger government when i'm about to propose and and whatever but if that's what's going to solve the problem then you allow businesses to register themselves as being businesses of faith or something i, I don't know i mean to me or, that is a or what or why don't you just get people out of it get the government out of it altogether and say they don't sell gay marriage wedding cakes they do they don't sell um congratulations on your sex change cakes they do they don't sell congratulations on your sunday school promotion cakes but they do why can't they just leave us the frig alone and let us do what we want and here so here's my question so i understand that there's that they have differentiated between the two types of cakes okay are the two types of of organizations uh the business versus the church the nonprofit versus the, versus the private here's what gets me the one that is, quote, allowed to discriminate by the government, the one that the government says it's okay for you to discriminate, actually gets either government money because it's a school or essentially government money because they're a nonprofit organization and they're not taxed. Right. So why is, right. it, no, why, is it, why is it that the government subsidized organization is the one that gets to discriminate and the one that's privately held and actually pays taxes and pays taxes for that church? So if I'm that pastor, if I'm that hypothetical pastor who's both a pastor and a bakery owner, the taxes that I pay from the bakery where I'm not allowed to quote discriminate will go to pay for the business that's, uh, that the government says is allowed to discriminate. How does that make any sense? It, it, it really doesn't. And, and that's actually a point I was going to make too. But I think the, the other fascinating piece of this is that I always think back now to Hobby Lobby because that was obviously Ugh. a really intriguing win for them exactly. and and you wonder if they if they can't and i understand that you're forcing people to pay for something that they disagree with which is different but but i i do wonder if there are parallels here um that that businesses have the right to operate under their religious conscience under the first amendment and it's important to remember that you know aaron and melissa klein the two people who owned sweet cakes by melissa they are two individuals who i think they had one or two staff members but it's a small business this is even totally different from hobby lobby which obviously was about contraception but these people really were living their lives through their business and their mind so so not allowing them to do that becomes very problematic so again i think if you have a specific exemption i know you're you're more of the mind of a, a wider sweeping get the government out totally but it, but i don't think that's ever going to happen so if we're going to talk about this in practical terms why not create a designation for businesses, like I mentioned, that allows them to be faith-based businesses registered in a different way. I mean, they have to register with the government anyway, right? Why not register as a faith-based right. business? Or, you know, you allow that exemption under the law All right. for, well, for religious-owned businesses. And let's get back into that here, but let's take a break real quick, and we will be right back. And we're back. And we were just wrapping up the discussion about Aaron and Melissa Klein and their bakery and the potential $150,000 fine that the two of them might have to pay as a result of refusing to make a gay wedding cake. So I'm and still, but I'm still, I'm still, okay. So I'm still befuddled then. I'm, I, this has still not been cleared up for me. Why is it that if you are connected to the government, you're allowed to discriminate? If you get money from the government, you're allowed to discriminate. But if you don't, then you can't discriminate. 
Well, because they're they're trying to to protect protect churches. I mean, when you look back to the First Amendment, the whole the whole thing about this was protecting churches from the government, right? Protecting religious people from the government. Why there was this change? Why there was this designation change when things got a little more complicated tax wise? I don't know. But to me, the First Amendment would seem to also cover small business owners. Absolutely. So, you know, that's what we need to figure out. I think we but need to have a discussion but, about it. But I'll it. tell you what it is. It's incremental steps. Because right now they can they can they can legally in their minds make the excuse that we're not gonna do it to the churches because they're quote protected by the First Amendment. But individual business owners, their rights are not protected by the First Amendment. So the next step though, the next step is gonna be you're gonna lose your tax exempt status. If right, you, if you makes, do this. And, and I've always are, and people will say that that's fear mongering, but I don't know how somebody could say that. Listen, that may never happen. Okay, but, but if it did happen, I would not be surprised. Okay, and and I think that that's their next step is that you lose your tax exempt status. And what have we found? If you are not a tax exempt organization, what are you? Well, you're a business, right? Though. And if you're a business, what happens? You're not allowed you, to discriminate. You can't quote discriminate. Yeah, I mean, and and this is, I think Mike Huckabee a while back had said to pastors, you know what, be willing to give up your, you know, 501c3 if you need to. But I think that that does create another problem. What do you register yeah. as then? Uh, or do you just not register? Do you just, somebody owns the church building and people meet there, but then you run into zoning issues, right? right? And then you let, and then you run into the fact that because our government is invested, has decided that it's going to be invested in marriage, you can't marry people. This could go very if you're badly. Not, if you're not a religious, <laughs> if you're not a licensed religious organization recognized by the government, you can't marry people. So then what? Listen, I mean, this is very easy to solve. We just need to solve it. I, and and the funny thing, you know, I've got an and, idea. What? What's your idea? Make me king. Oh gosh, king! You didn't even go with president. You went with king. King. Mm -hmm. That's a scary, fix scary it. thought. It'll be fixed. It's like the guy well, on you know, uh, on Saturday Night. Fix it. <laughs> Find the problem. <laughs> identify it fix it isn't this the opposite making you king is the opposite of fixing the problem though oh no 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 no, no. everybody's life would be better well i mean the thing the thing about where americans stand right and, right. and you sort of you sort of have to look at that right now where do people stand and when right. it comes to gay marriage the majority i mean every single poll over the last couple of years has shown that slightly more americans if not a little more than slightly more do support legalizing gay marriage. But this sort of brings us into the next story, which is related to this. And it's a an Associated Press GFK poll. And right. I have to announce, I used to work for GFK. And let me, so. let me, let me say one other thing. Uh, the, 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 polling, the polling has shown a, a change in people's beliefs, right? That there's been an evolution in the beliefs. But the, the polling does not show always a majority support, but usually a plurality support. Exactly. Yeah, and that and that gets lost sometimes. So in this case, you have forty-four percent saying, you know what, we have no problem with gay marriage being legalized in our state. You have thirty-nine percent saying that they oppose it, um, but that's not more than fifty percent on the upper end. So it's not a majority of Americans. Now I have seen some polls that have shown a majority of Americans, but what was interesting about this particular poll was that it was fifteen percent claiming that they have no opinion. And I don't know if that was because this was specifically about your state. It was a question about your state legalizing gay marriage. And people have very different views, obviously, you know this, on whether or not they want the federal government to make a law about gay marriage or whether they want it to be handled by their states, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I, you know what? I, this is going to sound funny, but I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm surprised by the increased number, like 15% claiming they have no opinion. It's, it's almost like, 
they're even better than the people who would say that legalizing to vote for legalizing gay marriage, the advocates for legalizing it, who say just let everybody be be you know be who they are or whatever. The fifteen percent say, um, just leave us alone. I don't care. Can you or just leave totally us alone, ignorant. or or they're ignorant. And that's <laughs> you know, honestly, that's probably the truth. They probably um, and are I shouldn't ignorant. say that. Some people just don't know. They they haven't inform, They haven't you know educated themselves on something. Some I'm joking. I mean, some people well, might but be ignorant, was, but, but others may not know. But that's but not knowing is ignorance, right? I'm we, trying to be nice, Chris. Right, no, but I'm not. I'm, I'm saying that there are people who are ignorant of it. Not because they're stupid or not because they're lazy. They're just ignorant of it as far as they don't know the facts. Good point. No, that's true. And I think, but you know, what I loved about this poll was that they they dove into some of the things we've been talking about. It wasn't just where do you stand on gay marriage. It was also, I mean, listen, there's, there's two elements here. It's not just the business owners. It's also public officials because let's remember when a state legalizes gay marriage, all of the judges or the clerks or the people who perform marriages in that state are now required by law to officiate weddings. Wouldn't and that, that include? Wouldn't that include pastors because they're licensed by the states? I mean, all the stories go uh, would say no because there's a religious exemption for pastors, except for that they are legally licensed by the state to perform the weddings. So why all judges, or why should all justice of the pieces, or why should all you know ships captains be required to do it, but not pastors? Well, I think because the way that they can sort of do it at this point, I mean, they can't get around that federal law, which it's federal law that protects, you know, churches and pastors. So they can't get around that. So, you know, right now it's it's anybody who's paid directly by the government. And since pastors are not uh, paid directly by, you know, their salary paid directly by the government, then it's those people who do have salaries that are. And, and a lot of those people have left their jobs. They've actually mm. quit. Um, judges have quit. And in some counties in Florida have actually gotten really creative and they've actually said you know we're we're no longer going to provide any marriages at all we're not going to conduct marriages for straight couples gay couples yeah. because they just they have too many people on staff who do not want to do this i'll be interested to see if that gets challenged legally i will too um, because where do you get married then if if, if right. the government's not going to marry you and you don't have a church who's going to marry you because you're a gay couple then where do you get married right well and i thought it was interesting this poll that you talked about so a plurality of respondents uh, support legalizing gay marriage, or it says have no problem with legalizing gay marriage, whatever. They are, are leaning in support of it. A plurality are in support. Yet 50% of respondents, the state and local officials and judges who issue marriage licenses in places where gay unions are legal should be exempt from doing so if they have a religious objection. Only 46% right. said they should not be exempt. Like the, the It flips. Like, yeah, it should be legal, but the people who issue the licenses shouldn't be able, required to do it. So do you really think it should be legal or not? Right. Well, th so, well, I think that these people are saying, you know, we have no problem with it being legal, but you need to provide a loophole for. And again, this is public officials, public officials who are working for the government. It's 50 versus 46 percent. So it's split. But there's more people saying, no, you know, there should be an exemption for those religious people, even if they are government workers. But what I love is when you get to the business question, because businesses are different, obviously, it's. 57% favoring the right for them to refuse service. Now, right. this was specifically businesses who provide wedding services, specifically. 57% wedding, wedding products and services. Yes, products and services. 57% um, versus 39% saying they shouldn't have the right to reject it. So that is very different, and it shows that is a majority, obviously, yeah. and it shows very strong support for that ability to reject. Right. So I have, here's one other question. And this is actually a semi-serious question because I simply don't know the answer to it. 
What about in states that have, and maybe you've run across this, I don't know, states that allow gay marriage for, for whatever reason, whether it's been the courts have required it or the people have voted it, whatever it is. What about common law marriage? in those states. Mm. Do you know anything about that? Like in, in, that some, in many states, maybe all states, I don't, I don't even know a, a couple that has lived together for say seven years is considered a common law. It's considered a common law marriage Would they do the same thing for, for homosexual couples. Do you have any idea? You know, I don't, I don't have any idea, although, and I could be wrong about this and I should look it up before I say it, but I think it was Oregon. There was a state where, and I can't remember all the details where if you had a common law marriage that was same sex relationship, there was a period of time last year, I think it was after June, where if you hadn't told the government, and this was big, very controversial, a lot of gay people were upset about it, if you hadn't told the government that you didn't want to continue that relationship since it was registered, it rolled right over into a marriage automatically, mm. even if you didn't request the marriage. Weird. Um, yeah, I got to find that story. and we, we should talk about that, and I should do an update on it next on the next show because you know people were saying wait a minute why are you rolling this into a marriage and the government was saying well listen you know it's the same thing it's the same benefits nothing changes just the title does but but people were saying well the title matters to us we fought for that title and this mm -hmm. is sort of an interesting you yeah. know, counter argument from gay we fought for the title and if we want the title we'll take it if we don't want that title right. we're not going to take it right interesting all right you know what uh it's been fabulous talking about this. And uh, I think the legal aspects and the cultural aspects uh, angles of, of this story are huge. Like we have to, these are things we have to talk about. Um, I'm just not going to voice my opinion too loudly <laughs> all the time about it. Uh, you know what? It is, oh, it is way past time to take a break. We're going to take a break and we will be right back. Back to the church boys that's right we are the church boys and we are back um we just spent the first half of the show and listen we talk about whatever comes to our minds and whatever happens to be a hot topic and, and billy is um huge on the gay stuff so you know we got to do what billy wants to do <laughs> i'm kidding no this is a this is a, a thing that is discussed a lot among um among people on the right well people on the left too because it's a it's a religious freedom thing it's a it's a constitutional rights thing. It's a how do we conduct business thing. It's a big government versus small. It's all sorts of things, right? It's a state's rights issues. All these things get involved. So it's important to talk about. We don't want to be um, the gay marriage debate show, but, uh, and we were going to get into something else in this break. But first, before we do that, Billy has an update on a story we covered two weeks ago out of Colorado. Billy, you want to give that update real quick? I want to give that update real quick. That's right. Dun, okay. dun, dun, breaking news. This was like sort of comedic, right? Because it was this guy, Bill Jack, who's the founder of this Christian group called Worldview Academy. So he goes into this bakery. He asks for two Bible-shaped cakes. and Okay, you know, the mistake way numero uno, by the way. And I pointed this out <laughs> last time, and I will be consistent. Nobody wants a Bible-shaped cake. Nobody's well, saying he might not have wanted a Bible shake cake. Either I know. I know. This, okay, go ahead and eat the story. He, he filed this or he went in there and he did this to try to prove a point. And, and this is sort of the new information we know. But just to sort of recap quickly, he allegedly the way the story originally went was that the baker said he asked for the cake to say one of the cakes to say God hates gays. But now Bill Jack has come out and said, no, that's not what he wanted the cake to say. He had a couple of different Bible verses he wanted on the cake, but, and one of them was homosexuality is a detestable sin. That message is a little bit different from God hates gay, so he clarified that. And that's a passage he, from the Bible, right? Is that, isn't he quoting the Bible? 
you're, yeah, you're, he was you're the Bible scholar. The Bible, he was referencing Leviticus 18.22 there, and mm-hmm. I don't have that exact word. I'll, I'll look it up. You go ahead. Yeah. Um, so now he said he did this to prove a point, and we didn't know this when, we, when I wrote the first story, but what, he, but what he said was, listen, you know, I think she should have every right to reject me. If, if she felt that that message violated her, you know, her conscience, she should have every right to decline service, but that's not the way that the current law works in Colorado, and she doesn't have the right to do that. So in proving a point, he filed a complaint against her, sort of trying to show people, look, you know, this is what's happening with Christian bakers. Now here's what's happening with a baker who's saying, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, that she wouldn't make that cake. And he said, quote, the statute is being applied inequitably. It is, it is, uh, wait, it's so far as only being applied against Christians. So that was his point. His point right. was, let me, you know, show and, that this is hypocritical. And I think it was a, I think it was a valid point. The, the Leviticus 18.22, at least the NIV version says, I haven't looked it up on the others, uh, 18.22 says, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman that is detestable. That's, that's the scripture that he wanted on the cake. So, so it's he being was paraphrased into homosexuality is a detestable, detestable sin, sin, unless and there which, is a version. And there, of and there may be it may be King James or maybe something. I don't I don't know. I just I have it on the NIV here on my computer. What about the, the Chris Field International version? Did you look up? Oh no, I didn't. Um, there's a lot more violence involved in my version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dear, I'm gonna get us killed. This, just a second. <laughs> just a second. Okay, and, and like King James has the word abomination in there and that sort of thing. So he was quoting, if not if not quoting, at least paraphrasing scripture. He wasn't he wasn't going out and saying God hates gays. And the cool thing was, that, as you mentioned, like he supported her right not to make the cake, right? right. And I mean, he's yeah, he's proving I, I, a point. He did. He did. Although he filed the complaint, because I think he wants to make the point. If if she ends up getting fined or has some issue, I'm assuming, and I haven't talked to, assuming that that's his point. You know, you right. have to do you have to do to her what you're doing to Jack Phillips, who's the other the Christian baker in Colorado, who we haven't right. talked about. You know, facing the same issues. Right. All right. Cool. All right. So we are. Are we done with the gayness for today? We're done. Okay. So. What do you want to talk about next? You talked about something. Ah, you told me something. I just did. I well, blank wait a on minute. It? I'm going to tell you. Okay. I mean, if we're gonna, if we're going to talk about these issues, we can't ignore the atheist today. I mean, we have to talk about oh, you atheist you're, you're under one God. Of your, one of your brothers. One of my brothers. Yeah, because you know, it's so funny that that one comment about atheism was the thing that people kept tweeting about and laughing about. So you definitely struck <laughs> about a you being with about listeners. you being an atheist. About you lying about me being an atheist. But this happened This happened today, and this is actually substantial. It's There's some funny parts of it, right? It's a little comedic, but long story short, atheists challenged under God. They, um, in New Jersey, they took a school district to court, said it was discrimination, it discriminated against atheist kids, and that under God should be removed from the pledge. Um, but... They had used this new tactic. They started going after state constitutions instead of using the federal constitution and saying, oh, no, no, the state constitution, that's where my rights are being violated. This has now failed for the second time. Their lawsuit was thrown out. Uh, it was thrown out last year from a Massachusetts court, thrown out today in a New Jersey court. Um, under God will remain in the pledge. So so what is the court's argument then? What is well, the court throws out their case or rules against them? Did he throw it out or did they rule against them? They threw it out um, because it was the atheist who had brought the lawsuit. There was this teenager who we talk about in the story on the blaze um, who it was. I, I guess she's a Christian. If not a Christian, she supports 
um, under God, and she had filed along with others, you know, sort of entered into the case to to sort of refute the atheist argument, and she's being sort of declared as the victor in this, but um, they threw the lawsuit out because the judge said he really couldn't find, and he had said this back in November during the oral arguments, he didn't see where there was discrimination in this, that there were no examples of discrimination as a result of under God being uttered. Right. Um, so there was really no, it seems like the argument is that there was no basis for the complaint in the first place. So it doesn't, I mean, and don't state courts have to eventually, there's the whole argument about stare decisis, right? And, you know, as, as uh, who was it, you know, uh, Arlen Specter, it's a super stare decisis and that sort of, don't the, don't the courts, the lower courts have to say, this is what the Supremes have said about this. It, it's constitutionally protected. Yeah, and the only thing—I mean, I'm sure there have been other. Or cases has the ruling, or has the Supreme Court ruling on under God simply been to throw it out, not to rule on, and not to rule on it? No, they have ruled on it, and the ruling was—and this was—I think it was in 1949. It's decades ago. The well, ruling. The, wait, wait, was, wait! Under God was added like in the 50s by Eisenhower. Then it no, no, but there there was. It was added in the 50s officially, but I think it was being said in some places, and I have to double-check that, because I think the case was before it was officially added. But actually. remember, like, wasn't it Michael Newdow or whatever his name was? Wasn't uh, he the atheist? He, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He He's, brought the cases about under God, and he tried to get to the Supreme Court about it. Did they make a ruling on his case, or did they throw his out? Maybe say he didn't have standing or something. Um, oh, hold on a minute. I have it here. I, it's 1943. Okay. That was when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that school children could not be forced to recite the pledge. Right. Well, now, and that goes back. That goes back God like a Jehovah's Witness thing, right? Yeah, and I don't know. I I don't know the case very well um, in terms of whether under God was a part of that or not. But you're right. It wasn't until the 1950s, which actually does give the atheists a little bit of an argument here on on under God. Is that right. it was? And when you look at the history, and we did, a, and I should, we got to put this on our website. Um, we did a whole history of the pledge. Okay. And I think a lot of conservatives and Christians would leave that history a little uncomfortable with the Pledge of Allegiance because it was a socialist who wrote it. Who was <laughs> you know, you go through the whole history of it and you're yeah. kind of like, oh, this is kind of odd. Maybe and, the atheists are onto something. Now, I'm not backing the atheist side right. because I think it's rid a ridiculous right. court case to wage. Right. And it's I mean, there's a nationalist feel to it and that sort of thing. And you know, and you know, and as much as you want to scream against nationalism, there is something valuable to loving your country and dedicating yourself to her, right? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I, and I don't know. It was Bellamy who wrote it, um, Francis Bellamy, who who allegedly was a socialist. And, you know, I mean, he was controversial, and, and he never, he actually didn't add the words under God, obviously, as we talked about, it right. wasn't until the 50s. Okay, well, that's interesting. Anything else on this silly little case from the atheists, from your atheist friends? No, I d listen, I do. I, my uncle, I think. My so, eyes no, are glazing. You, he, he sees me on Skype right now. He sees my eyes glazing over and rolling into the back of my head like, these people are driving me nuts. Sorry I interrupted. You were going to say something. No, I was just going to say, I think it's important that this new tactic has not worked twice now because this is right. uh, this was their new tactic to go around, I think, um, to different states and try to do this, and it's it's now failed them. So I don't know what other constitution they can go after, but... Yeah. They've lost again. All right. So, you know, we can take a break now or we can spend a couple minutes talking about either Obama and his invocation of slavery and the Crusades. Or we can take a break and come back and talk about that or the abortion is murder story that you had sent me. What would you, you like what? to do? What would you like to do, William? Listen, Obama's comment was unneeded, and I think we can leave it at that and go with abortion. Yeah, you we know, can abort, we can abort that. Right. Comment. 
<laughs> well, and to be fair, you know, and, and like we talked about, listen, we want people to understand, listen, you guys are going to get the gooey center of the show, right? You're going to get the stuff that's going to say, hey, listen, you get the behind the scenes stuff. This is how they throw the show together. Listen, we are open book. And so you can see us talking about what we're going to talk about. And that's fine. And I agree, Billy, you know, we talked about this before. What more is there to say? You know, we were afraid of not bringing it up because then do we look like we're out of touch? But the same thing is like, what are we going to add to it? The guy's a stinker. He's one. You you, listen. (laughs) The whole thing was just unneeded. And, And I think, you know, we everyone knows that's it's a controversial history on all ends and right. so to put it into a little soundbite to try to prove a point i think and here i am on a tirade about it is just not helpful right it doesn't help the current situation right. i'll leave it at that right there's there are arguments to be made for by the way uh, there are arguments to be made against the crusades right there are a lot of arguments to be made for them and the and the preservation of western civilization that doesn't mean everything was done perfectly regardless of your feelings for or against the crusades we are in a slightly different time now than we were then, right? And the church has gone through some, you've heard Glenn talk about it, you've heard a bunch of other people talk about it. The church has gone through a lot of changes since then. And if you don't like how the crusades were conducted, understand that those were conducted under the auspices of Christianity. And what's going on now in the Middle East is being conducted under the auspices, under the name of Islam. So anyway, it's a bunch of baloney. Anyway, all right. Folks, you've heard us ramble and talk and yap. So we're going to take a break and we will be right back with a super fun, happy topic about abortion. We'll be right back. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. And we're back again. And here we are to talk about a very uplifting topic. Billy, Billy. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We're here to talk about a very uplifting topic, and <laughs> it's abortion. Um, and no, obviously not an uplifting topic, a very difficult topic. But a Texas pastor who I don't think we've talked about on the show yet, Matt Chandler, mm-hmm. um, he's he sort of made a national name for himself, and I think he, he continues to, uh, because he's very honest, open, and a very fast talker. Transcribing Matt Chandler is never an easy feat, yeah. but... He delivered a sermon on January 25th, um, and really, it could be summed up with three words. Abortion is murder. Now, he tells his parishioners that abortion is murder, but he really has a great message because after he says that, and he says there are probably murderers among us, he talks about how everybody in the audience, there could be many people, rather, in the audience who have either enabled abortion or been a part of it, but that there's grace and forgiveness. That's sort of mm-hmm. the central part of the message. Right. I think a lot of people stop at abortion as murder, and they don't talk about the forgiveness uh, piece of this, regardless of what you've done, that that there is grace Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. I think he's—I think he's—we'll play some of the clip here. We've got a two-minute clip here. We'll play that uh, here in a little bit, but— um, I think that that grace and forgiveness thing is huge, and he brings it up at the end. And I want to uh, echo that sentiment here after we listen to it. Are you ready to play, or do you have something else you want to share first? I'm ready to play it. All right, here we go. Ready and begin. I don't believe this is a political issue. I believe this is a scientific issue and a deeply theological issue. So I'm not trying to make political statements. I also am very aware that, that I got to walk this strange space. And, and here's what I mean by this strange space. So, so I, I, I'm going to speak to everyone here. So, so follow me. 
I need to, with all the boldness that the Holy Spirit will grant to me, tell everyone in this room that abortion is a murder. It is the murder of a human being. I'm going to have to say it. I'm going to show it to you in the Word. I want to prove it to you with science. I want to just lay it before you and say abortion is murder. And, it, and it's a holocaust like the world has yet to see. In fact, just to put it in perspective, Stalin was guilty of murdering 40 million of his own countrymen, Hitler, 30 million human beings, and the United States, since Roe versus Wade, not globally, but the United States, has blown past both of those brothers and have made them look angelic as we have slaughtered wholesale 55 million little boys and little girls. Okay, I'm going to pause it there for just a second. It makes me sad that he has to, and I agree with him, that he has to couch it in, I'm going to take a bold step here and say this, right? Because he's afraid of, he's conf he's afraid of one, not afraid of, he's cushioning himself against the blowback that will come both politically because someone would dare to speak out against abortion in a church, so it becomes a political angle, right? And he's going to get blasted for it. And the other is the calling out and convicting of people sitting in that sanctuary and hearing this message. Yeah, people right. get very offended. I mean, listen, a lot of pastors avoid any message that, that is has conviction. But they this is different. I think this is different because it's not just political. It's 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 a spiritual, you know, social issue, theological issue that that people do need to have a view right. on and speak on. A lot of a lot of people, you know, a lot of pastors will avoid anything that could be deemed political at all. But even worse, even worse, a lot of pastors will avoid discussing anything that uh, is too convicting for the people sitting in the, with their butts in the seats. It's like, no, we need to hear things that challenge us and say, you can be better than you are now. And there, no, are, too, there are too many pastors who don't do that. And I'm, I'm proud of him for doing that. It's unfortunate that he has to couch it in this language, but that's where we are today. All right, let me finish the rest of this clip. I interrupted and I'm rude. So I got to say that. If I don't say that, then all the things that the secular world says about megachurch pastors become true about me. I want you to like me and I want your money and I want to be famous and I want and, and I'm not I, I'm far more of afraid of God than I am of you and so I got to say that and and then yet so so don't aim at me too quick and yet at the same time I am no fool there are murderers among us and and so at the same time that I prophetically and boldly and courageously say abortion is murder. I also need to step into this space knowing that we are guilty of it. Many of us are guilty of it. And, and maybe we weren't the ones that had the abortion. Maybe we coerced and pressed somebody to have the abortion or just paid for the abortion. I need to say to you, listen to me, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. All right. And that's the key, right? I mean, he's, I, to me, he's spot as an evangelical Christian. He is spot on in my regard, in, in my view, and not just his statement that abortion is murder, but it's the grace thing, right? That God. Yeah, and that's the same for every issue, right? right? I mean, but I think this one is a hard one because people. This is one of those things that sticks with people forever. I mean, it's something that that I think whether you're a woman, obviously, especially for women, or a man, um, I don't think it's something you forget, uh, and, and I think it's something a lot of people punish themselves for if they've done it or if they've enabled it, or if they've been a part of it somehow. Um, maybe not everybody, but I think most people. And they should, and they should, I don't want to say punish themselves for it, but they should, they should have remorse for it. They should feel bad for having done it. I mean, if it's murder, you should feel bad for having murdered someone. But there's also a grace thing that is involved, a grace element that is involved. 
Christ, one of the cool things, and we did this, we had a, we did a, a, a marriage study uh, in a in a group that I lead here in town uh, for young adults, and we did a marriage study. It was an Andy Stanley marriage study. And he talks about marriage and how Christ presents this perfect idea of what family should look like and what marriage should look like. And he has this huge high standard that we all fall short of all the time. And Christ had all sorts of other standards for us that we're always falling short of. I mean, God, <laughs> Christ didn't just just give speeches about family, but he also talked about, you know, you've heard it said, you know, do not commit adultery. And I'm telling you, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery. It says, it says, don't murder. I'm telling you that if you hate your brother, you got a problem. If you're angry with your brother, you got a problem. So Jesus continues to raise these standards and, and, and uh, Chandler's doing this, a similar thing in, in calling out what these standards are. Abortion is murder. You know, hate is wrong. Lust is, a, is the same as adultery. All these things. The, the, the higher the standards go, the really cool thing is the higher the standard, the deeper the grace. The higher the standards go, the higher the, the demands that God puts on your life goes, the deeper the grace goes because there's that much more involved. And so I think that he has nailed it on that. He's, he's coming out and taking a bold stand politically that abortion is murder, but he's also making that grace stand. And he also does this sermon every year, which I think is interesting. He preaches on this subject every year um, intentionally. And John Seidel, um, oh no, I have to call him Jonathan M. Seidel. That's Jonathan his writing M. name. Jonathan M. Seidel Jonathan did M. a great interview with him, great interview with him oh, um, cool. about this. And he talked about, and I'm actually talking with uh, Matt Chandler next week for, about his new book that he has out. Oh, cool. um, so, but you know, he's also taken a huge racial, um, you know, racial reconciliation stance, which a lot of people have found controversial too. And, you know, yeah. interesting stuff. I think he's a bold preacher. And, um, you know, even in the past interviews I've done with him, very open to being critiqued, it seems, and saying, yeah. oh, you know, maybe this, this is what I'm thinking. I'm working through this. And, yeah. I, and I like that in a pastor. I think that it's not, nobody's perfect, right? So, I think he's honest. Right. right? I don't think that doesn't mean he's right on everything, but I think he's honest. I think he's yeah. pursuing. I think he's a man seeking God's heart, and I, I totally believe that about him. He and I might not agree on everything. We happen to agree on the abortion thing, but he's seek he's seeking God's heart, and I and I can appreciate that and love him for that and and thank him for that. So he's being bold and he's out there. And you know the abortion thing. I have so many friends who are pro-choice, and it drives me drives me crazy my my view is that life begins at conception it doesn't matter how the conception happened that's my view it's not very popular but no but, i mean i think I, I i absolutely agree i mean life begins at conception where you go legally with it is where obviously everything falls apart and people start to battle i just don't know how you argue i mean if we can detect a heartbeat at 18 days which we can and some will say no it takes you know it has to be a month and a half fine if you can detect a heartbeat at a month and a half then i think you're hard pressed to argue that something with a heartbeat isn't alive so let's right. have that argument um but what you do with that legally again is where it gets a little murky and i think that's you know i think most people are living in the gray area um, some people are living in the white and the black area on the issue in terms of legality of it. Yeah. I mean, it gets interesting. It does. And, and you know what? One, maybe one day we need to have a show that's dedicated to debating this or do a special show on us. But I mean, like to me again, life begins at conception. Okay. You want to say it's at 18 days or a month and a half, whatever. I don't, I, I happen to believe it's at, at, at conception, regardless of when it actually happens. It doesn't matter to me how it was created. And I'm going to get, I'll get a lot of flack from this. Incest and rape are horrible, terrible things, but that doesn't mean you kill the innocent life involved. 
doesn't uh, being a, 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 a baby conceived via rape doesn't make it any less of a life than a baby conceived in a happy, loving home. Yeah, I guess the, the, the question that people have and the critique they'll have is, oh, you know, it, it's the circumstances and whatever. You can have all those arguments, but I mean, a life is a life. I think we have to be honest about the issue. You know, if you're going to, and I spoke with Kermit Gosnell for 10 minutes on the phone today, uh, and I can't get into record, what we talked about. Did you, about did you it record it? Did you record it? Did you record it? I didn't. It? I didn't. It was off the record, so we couldn't. <sighs> but, but, you know, when you talk to people about this issue, you have to be honest. If you're going to take a life, I think we have to call abortion what it is. We create these other words like fetus and whatever to make ourselves right. feel better or because they're scientific terms. It's still taking a life regardless of the circumstance. And, right. you know, and then you can debate the circumstances, but you have to be honest with the language. And that's not just on abortion. It's on everything. We, we've got to be honest. Yeah, I agree. All right. All right. Any other um, happy things? Any happy thoughts for us? I know what a serious show this I know, was, this right? Is, I mean, it's such a downer. All right. We will. Um, okay. Next time, I promise, Billy, we will do something more fun. Like calling yes, your mom. Call my mom or maybe see if there are any messages left from your mother or anything. We'll, we'll see what happens, but <laughs> see if we can get the technological things to work out the way they're supposed to. If, if, hey, listen, if I'm in charge of running the technical side, it will never, ever ever work uh anything else my friend billiam read your bibles and the blaze we love you talk to you later bye-bye